There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Are you over there silent laughing at me? Yes. <laughs> I knew it! Hey, Celeste. Hi. How are you today? I'm doing okay. How about yourself? I'm well. You know, this is our first long distance recording. How do you feel about it? I'm not as much of a fan. You know, I'm not either. I miss your beautiful face. I miss drinking together. Same here. I also, I don't know. It's just weird. It is weird. But we're going to get through it, and I think that this is a good episode for us to try it on because this is this is going to be pretty magical. This The fact that we can do this together this way is pretty magical, so I think that's an appropriate thing for today. You know, at least it somehow makes your dad jokes more bearable being long distance. <laughs> and yet... I'm really upset that I can't watch your face and I can't see the eye roll when I make the jokes because you're so far away. I'm sure you can still hear it all the way over there. Oh, I absolutely can. I know exactly what face you're making. I just don't like that I can't see it. So do you want to tell me what you're drinking over there today? I am still drinking the same wine as during the ghost episode, the Apothic White that I had. It's delicious. What about on your side? On my side, I am drinking a Copper State Brewing Company, uh, which is a, I know that you're familiar, but for our listeners who are not familiar, Copper State Brewing is a Wisconsin beer also. Um, And I'm drinking a pomegranate pucker, which is a sour ale brewed with pomegranate juice. And let me tell you, it's got a real fucking bite to it. Like, I can't lie. Like, when they say pucker, they mean pucker. It's real. Is it anything like the cranberry from New Glarus that you had? No. No. It's significantly fucking better. Oh. Wow. Shots fired. Holy shit. <laughs> I was upset about it for a second. I was upset. Um, I think that my palate had like PTSD for a second from the the witch's brew wine that we attempted to drink that night and also washing it down with the cranbic was just not a good call. This is much better. Welcome back to Taboos you guys. Episode episode 5 of our spooky season series. This is our final episode for the month of October, the year of 2020. 
You know, I'm really excited for 2020 to be over, though. We are in the home stretch, and I'm so ready for it. I feel I like that was the whole theme song for the year of 2020. Yeah, that's pretty accurate. Did you see, <laughs> did you see that they're coming out with a live version of Barney? I saw your tweet about that today as I joined Twitter today, and it was painful and terrible. But I did see that, and that's some horrifying shit. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you, I was such a Barney fangirl, and I still fucking hate that idea. That's disgusting. I was I'm four. I don't care. I don't care. I'm judging four-year-old you. Were you born dead inside? I mean, I know you were born dead, but were you born dead inside? I was definitely born with the better judgment of <laughs> the dinosaurs that are creepy as hell and have dead eyes. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Okay. Well, I mean, I forgive four-year-old Celeste for loving Barney. She's grown since then. Thank God. So should we tell our listeners why we are recording separately today? Because I'm feeling a little sad about it. I'm feeling a little out of sorts and a little out of place because we are not together. I can't see your beautiful face. And when you eye roll at me, I can just hear it. I don't get the full experience of seeing it too. So I feel like we should tell people why we're not together today. Sure, why not? So as you all heard last week in our ghost episode, which was spooktacular, if you ask me, uh, Allie had a pretty real cough. I have since adopted a pretty real cough. And we're just trying to play it safe. We're not saying it's anything or nothing, but, you know, it's a pretty real cough. We're just recording separately for everybody's safety and well-being. Indeed. Because here at Taboos, not only do we care about being respectful and taboos, we care about safety. (laughs) That was like the worst slogan ever. I know. I'll work on it. I'll call I'll call our people. Even Axel was like, Mom, I gotta go. Not marketing that one. Thank you. Not going on a t-shirt. All right, no t-shirts for that one. That's fine. Noted. So Allie, would you like to know what we are going to discuss for our fifth and final episode of Spooky Season? Hit me with it. We are going to be talking about drum roll. Thank God you did that. I'm still waiting on my Hogwarts letter, so. You know, those motherfuckers never called me either. I'm super pissed about it. Like, I just don't understand. So, learn me some things. I would love to learn you some things. This was actually fascinating, genuinely. And I've been working on this research for a minute, okay? Like, I just really have been struggling to get my hands around this research. It just, it has not clicked for me until today. So I actually would like our listeners to know that we pushed back our recording time because I was frantically writing down notes 
as this whole concept finally just absolutely clicked for me. And I'm really hoping that I can portray it back to our listeners and to you, obviously, in a way that saves you from multiple weeks of research to make it click for you. Whether you believe it or not, that's totally fine. But there's a real component that I did not understand when I was researching this and as I spoke to different people about their findings and their beliefs and their practices that was just like this huge vague question mark for me and I finally figured it out so I am stupid excited for this episode. I am so excited to tell you what I've learned and to share that like light bulb moment with you guys so that you can have this too and I really want to start the disclaimer for this episode with this okay okay once again we are talking about someone's beliefs this is not a religion witchcraft is not a religion and we're going to get into that we're going to talk about some differences in defining items okay but this is somebody's practice. Yeah. We are not here to down. We are not here to judge. We are here to have a conversation and to bring light and knowledge to somebody's practice. I had, I have struggled with this in this research because I was a little disappointed in what I had found prior to this light bulb moment that I had, which was this. Previous to understanding this episode, and I just want to get this out there, I want to start on this foot so nobody has questions or is anticipating the bippity-boppity-boo, the abracadabra, the hocus-pocus. That is not what we're doing here. This is genuinely the way that people live their lives, the way that they carry themselves, the way that they believe in themselves. There is no magic, like, poof. There is no abracadabra. That's not how it works. It is so much deeper than that. So I want to start there. There's no broomsticks is what you're telling me. I mean, I'm sure that there are, but they're used the same exact way that you or I would use our broomsticks. Oh, Jesus. So... Thank you for listening to my disclaimer. If I burst any bubbles, if I ruined anybody's moment, I'm really sorry. Obviously, that's not my intention, but we're here to talk about taboo topics and we're here to talk about them honestly and have open conversations. And it wouldn't be doing witches or witchcraft justice if we didn't start by just being very honest and open and saying, as much as we all love the bippity boppity boo and the hocus pocus and the pumpkin at midnight... That's just not how it works. So yeah, I mean, really a huge part of the podcast is demystifying the topics that we're covering and all the falsification that media has created around them. So exactly, exactly. So I would like to start with the actual definition of witchcraft. According to Webster.com, witchcraft is the practice of magic, especially black magic and the use of spells. Now... Although I defined that, you guys, I want you to basically take that little nugget of information and just throw it out the window. Okay, take in and thrown. (laughs) 
for credibility reasons, I felt as though we needed to define it. But given the other research that I've done, I don't feel that that definition is is appropriate. So thank you, Miriam. Your definition has been noted. Thank you. Thank you. So I would like to instead kind of fast forward. Uh, We're going to move away from the definition piece. I think at the end that that's a good conversation for you and I to have together on how would we accurately define witchcraft given the research and the conversations that we have had to prepare for this because I just don't think that that definition does witchcraft justice and it it honestly kind of hurt my feelings a little bit. So let's just start with some history, okay? I feel like everybody knows some pretty basic whitewashed American history, American lit, high school basic knowledge of witchcraft, but we're going to cover it just a little bit for a different perspective because I think that's important. Yeah. So according to Britannica.com, the terms witch and witchcraft derive from Old English. The term Wicca is masculine or Wicca is feminine, respectfully donating a person who practices sorcery and craft, which means obviously like a craft. Yep. There are terms for witchcraft or something very similar in all languages. However, the issue with defining witchcraft is made very difficult because concepts underlying these words also change according to time, place, and sometimes according to time and place. And sometimes that variation is pretty drastic and pretty radical, like depending on where you are in the world, what spirituality means to somebody throughout the world or cultures throughout the world. It makes a big difference to the definition of the word itself. So that's why witchcraft, although there is a word for it in every language, it doesn't mean the same thing throughout, which I thought was really, really interesting to have a word that everybody knows, and yet that word means something different to every single person. Like, that's crazy to think about. Yeah, that makes sense to me, because I think of the different examples of what could be seen as a witch or warlock in different areas of the world, and how they're completely different in those areas. So it makes sense to me. It makes sense to me. I guess I just wasn't prepared for that to be the reality of it, though. Because, okay, maybe I'm wrong here, and maybe you're going to get into it, but for instance, is a shaman considered a witch? No. Oh, okay. Well, disregard everything I said. It's okay. It's okay. So... This is part of this light bulb moment that I had, which we are going to get into. But again, stay with me. Don't fast forward yet. We're still stuck way back in time. We still have some history to get through. More often than not, different cultures do not share a coherent pattern of witchcraft beliefs. Um, This often makes other concepts blend together, such as magic, religion, folklore, theology, technology, and diabolism. Some societies regard a witch with inherent supernatural powers, whereas in the West, as in European cultures, an ordinary person's free choice to learn and practice magic with the help of the supernatural. Now, in the research that I did, I would like to be clear, this is not our moment where we define this together, but I I just want to be clear. In my research, the European version of understanding what a witch is is more accurate 
Okay. If there is a supernatural component or not is to be determined. And I think that's part of the magic. And I'm not even saying that in a dad joke way. I mean, truly as part of the magic of being a witch. If it's truly supernatural power or if something like you've said in the past, you've said, I believe that people don't utilize their abilities and their brain to their fullest potential. If it's not supernatural and it's more of somebody has evolved themselves and their belief to truly exert their physical energy and their physical abilities to a different plane or to a different extent than the average person. I mean, I think what I took away from this is that anybody could be a witch. Anybody could practice this. It isn't necessarily a limiting thing. I get as long as you have an open mind, something that you can potentially seek. Yeah, and abilities that you could tap into if you were open to them. So when I say abilities, again, I don't mean that you can teleport or you can move your cat across the room with your finger. That's not what I'm talking about when I say abilities. But something that I deeply resonated with in this light bulb moment is the fact that I am an empath is an ability that would be considered in witchcraft. Mm-hmm. The fact that I have the ability to feel people's energy, that is a component of the spirituality that witches practice and they believe in. That's an untapped potential that I didn't know I had. In learning about being an empath, I align with that. And now learning about witches and witchcraft, I understand how that ability could expand to be part of that spiritual practice. Yeah, I get what you're saying. So I thought that was really interesting. And I I just wanted to really call out the European version of the terminology as opposed to this like supernatural hocus pocus Hollywood concept that again, we, we started in our disclaimer saying, but truly I wanted to identify it that other parts of the world do view witchcraft this way. Like this isn't like we just came up with this. I appreciate that. You're welcome. So a huge misconception that I also want to address, this is not a disclaimer because it it is what it is and we respect everybody who believes and practices and does whatever they do, okay? But I want to talk about for one second the difference between witchcraft and Wicca because they are not the same thing. Yeah. This episode is not about Wicca. There is nothing wrong with practicing Wicca. There is nothing wrong with believing in that religion. That's just not what we're here to talk about today. And there is a huge misconception between witchcraft and Wicca. I think Hollywood has a lot to do with that. So let's talk about the difference between Wicca and witchcraft, okay? There are a lot of different places where I heard this repeated. So if I reference different places in this conversation, like please know this is a very common thing that people who practice witchcraft talk about because again, nobody is shaming Wicca. They're just not the same thing. Yes. A huge piece to understand is that Wicca is a religion like Christianity or like Satanism or like Buddhism. It is somebody's religion. Yeah. Witchcraft is a spiritual understanding and practice. So someone could be Wicca and also a witch. They could also just be Wicca and not a witch, or they could be just a witch and they could be not 
Wicca. Additionally, what I thought was really interesting about that was that in some of the interviewing that I did and some of the research that I did, there are actually a lot of people who identify as witches who also identify as very mainstream religions. I spoke with about four different witches who identified as Christian. That I wasn't prepared for. I absolutely was not ready for that because we're going to talk about some history here. And I just thought that that was really interesting that obviously you're allowed to identify as whatever you want to identify as for a religion. However, there's such a perceived dilemma there that not only do you identify with this religion that condemns this practice that you believe in and identify in also, but truly Truly setting aside that perception and saying, no, no, I identify with this religion while I also identify with this practice that I believe makes me who I am. Yeah, exactly. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that Hollywood always depicts witchcraft as a direct tie to pagan worship, but I'm sure that you dive into that. I didn't get into as much paganism on this research. Uh, because it honestly wasn't, it wasn't brought up as much as Wicca was. I think because the most common misconception being Wicca and witchcraft are mutually exclusive, only because Wicca is in the derivative of the name of witchcraft. So I think that that barrier was something that I wanted to address more blatantly. Additionally, again, over and over and over in all of the things that I looked at, it was brought up. So I didn't get into as much paganism, but I would agree with what you're saying. I think more so my point is just that Hollywood has always linked witchcraft with some form of worship of a dark deity. Yes, I would agree with that. But also, I think as somebody who does not identify as a religion, I understand that, and we're going to talk about this in our history lesson here, but I understand that certain religions with or without Hollywood, have demonized this practice simply because they didn't understand it. Yeah. Or, like with Satanism, we don't have a natural enemy, so let's create one. Yeah. So I thought that was really interesting. The site that I want to throw out there, which I didn't up front, and I'm really sorry I started talking about it, but then I got caught up because it came from so many places. The site that I had specifically linked with the Wicca versus witchcraft definition was thecritography.com, the student voice of the University of Lynchburg. It was an article. It was really well done. Another uh, solid resource that I found in relation to that definition was, let me check with my special guest notebook, from the video of Witchcraft 101, which was presented by the Green Witch on YouTube. She was really amazing. Like I watched a couple of her videos today for some research and she has some really good content. She's quirky and adorable, but she is super, super educated and she's really informative and she gives it to you really straight, which I really appreciated. Nice. Yeah. We're going to come back to some of her stuff because she's where I found some other really, really good stuff. So that's not the first time we're going to hear about the Green Witch. So here's our history lesson. Let's get this out of the way because this is not nearly as cool or fun or happy or magical as the rest of this episode is going to be. But I do think it's important to understanding why this is a taboo topic and also why we're here talking about it today. Like we kind of brushed on it, but I really want to get into that grit so that we can talk about the real part of how it's not gritty at all. Sounds good. So according to wikipedia.com, 
Shout out to wikipedia.com. Tracing back the lineage of witchcraft in correlation with the history of witchcraft has a direct intersection with Christianity, specifically the Old Testament laws. This theosophical concept and conflict between good and evil, where witchcraft was genuinely portrayed as evil and often associated with the devil and devil's worshipings. Regardless of the religion or religious perspective, witchcraft is often viewed this way and continues to be viewed this way even today. Which is why I was saying earlier that I think it's so interesting and fascinating, honestly, that there are people who can bring themselves to that place of identifying, I am Christian, but I am also a witch. And I think it's beautiful. I just also, I don't understand it. I don't understand how that works. And I, I really want to. I didn't really speak to anybody about that aspect of it, but I, I would really like to in a special guest episode because I don't think that we could do that justice. I don't think that we could have a conversation about, I don't think we could reiterate a conversation that we had with somebody to that level who is both Christian and practices witchcraft. I want that to be a special guest thing. But this is me saying out loud, I think it's fascinating and beautiful. And at the same time, I don't understand it because in my view, it's contradictory. Yeah, it's like oil and water, essentially. Agreed. And they can coexist together. I just don't understand how. So opening up that door to a future episode, stay tuned. I would love to do that. I think we're going to do that. I think I just decided we're going to do that, but that's not what we're doing here today. In Tanzania, oh, I thought this was fascinating and disturbing. In Tanzania, about 500 quote-unquote older women are murdered each year following accusations of witchcraft or accusations of being a witch. Apart from, seriously, you guys, 500 quote-unquote older women. The, the article did not say anything about what older meant. But in a conversation that we had with my friend Sydney, shout out to Sydney, thank you so much for helping us prepare for this and all of your information and insight. I'm sure this is not the only time that I'm going to shout out to Sydney because she really, we spent so much time together talking about this and she was so helpful. So I really appreciated that. Thank you, Sid. Thanks, Sydney. Um, so in talking to her, we had this question of like, why quote unquote older women? Like, I don't understand. Why would you attack older women? And what she was saying was that witchcraft is such a practiced thing that like you can't just pick it up. You can't just wake up tomorrow and be like, I'm a witch. It doesn't really work like that. Like you could, you could wake up tomorrow and have this epiphany and really like align with, oh, shit that's me. Like every single one of those things, I align with all of that. Like I am a witch. Like I want to practice that. You could do that. That does not mean that tomorrow you're going to cast a spell. Yeah. It does not mean that tomorrow you're going to be able to pick up a deck of tarot cards and know what the fuck you're doing. It doesn't work like that. It takes years and years and years of this practice. So the reason that older women are targeted is because typically older women have moved beyond this concept of I am no longer a witch and instead I am a high priestess because I have been practicing this for so long and I am so in tune with my practice and my spirituality that I am viewed as a threat. They see older women who practice or not even practice, like maybe these women don't, they just fit this bill of accused of witchcraft or or being a witch that they're feared for that reason. So they're murdered. They're literally just executed on, on accusations. That's insane. 
I agree. Completely agree. Like absolutely unnecessary. And this is even today. That is fucking insane. Apart from extrajudicial violence, there have also been examples of state-sanctioned violence. For instance, Saudi Arabia views witchcraft as an offense punishable by death and has executed people for this crime as recently as 2014. What the fuck? Yeah, meaning literally like Supreme Court justice can rule that you've committed the crime of witchcraft and you are put to death. I'm sure that they don't have a Supreme Court in Saudi Arabia. That's not what I'm saying. But like, seriously. The state has decided that you have committed a felony and you are being put to death for this practice. What the fuck? Okay, there's a lot of fucked up shit in America, but I'm glad this isn't one of them. Absolutely real because holy shit. What actually is even worse though... Again, we're talking about the gritty, so this isn't fun. Children in some regions of the world are also vulnerable to violence as it's related to witchcraft accusations. Places like Africa and the UK, the UK most notably has the murder of Victoria Klembe. I, mm, if you want to look into this case, look into this case. But hear me tell you, don't do it if you have a weak stomach, Okay. Um, for anybody who has watched the Gabriel Fernandez files, this case, the Victoria Klembe case, is like that, except they justified her death because of witchcraft. I am not going to look into this case. You don't have to. She was nine, and she was killed by her great aunt and her boyfriend after, again, years and years and years of deep physical abuse. Fuck. Yes, absolutely. When the aunt and her boyfriend were prosecuted, they claimed that Victoria was a witch and was practicing witchcraft in their house, and they had no other option but to try and quote-unquote save her. When they couldn't save her, they just killed her. Um, okay. Again, she's nine. She's fucking nine. Like, on this concept... You guys, again, go away from Harry Potter. Go away from Hocus Pocus. That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about Matilda here. We're talking about people who literally just believe in energy and the power of nature. And we're going to talk about all the beautiful things. But as you hear me say this case about this little girl, that is how horrifically demonized people have made, religions have made this culture, this spiritual practice that I, I just... I, I just can't wrap my head around that. I just can't. And yet I'm so that shocked, unfortunately. I know. It's such a conflicting thing because you're right. I'm not shocked either. And yet at the same time, I am. Like, I, if you didn't watch her do some Matilda shit, which isn't possible, how could you possibly justify that she was a witch at nine years old? Like, I don't know. I'm done with it. I'm done with it. We're moving on. If you want to go look at the case, go look at the case. But... I just, mm, I just, mm -mm. so we're going to talk about one more pretty fucking horrifying part of witchcraft. And then I want to be done talking about the bad part of witchcraft basically forever. And I only want to talk about the good shit. Can we do that? Deal. All right, let's hit it. So according to NPR.org, I'm not really going to get into the history of the Salem witch trials a whole lot because again anybody who's been in the American education system has the whitewash version of what that means and I'm just not I'm not getting into that with you guys. What I want to talk about though is 
the other perspective of the Salem witch trials in this new light, in this conversation that we are having about there is no hocus pocus, there is no Hogwarts, there is no any of that shit, okay? And what what the Salem witch trials really was, okay? Okay. So, cliff notes of the Salem witch trials from this unbiased, unfiltered perspective. 25 were killed during the trials. There were 18 people who were physically hanged. The rest died either by being crushed to death or died in prison. And then there was a note that said other methods of death included fire drowning and stoning, meaning like they laid fucking stones on top of you until you crushed like a fucking bug, which is disturbing and wrong and inhumane and disturbing all right whoever thought of that needs to be fucking punched in the dick that's how serious i feel about that shit it was estimated of the victims of the salem witch trials that there were over 100 million descendants of the victims of those trials so really think about that let's pretend for one second that hocus pocus and harry potter and that kind of magic is real okay if there was that kind of magic there is now 100 million people on the planet who would be direct descendants of those victims of the Salem witch trials who could do Hocus Pocus and Harry Potter and all that kind of magic, that would be fucking terrifying. Well, that's pretty incredible though. Yes, very incredible. And also that would be so amazing. Like if I'm not going to look into this because I don't want to have my DNA out there. I don't ever want to do like an ancestry and me thing or whatever. But like, I can't tell you how proud I would be to know that I was one of those hundred million descendants. I would also be pissed as fuck, but still proud. Like that would be so cool to me now understanding and knowing how beautiful witchcraft and practicing witchcraft is that I think that that would be amazing. What I want to say though is that I don't necessarily believe at that time witchcraft took the same form as it does now in the sense of obviously there's science now, right? Like Allie is the queen of science and statistics. We can't argue things to a certain point because they can be proven or disproven. At the time of the Salem witch trials, that wasn't necessarily a thing. So if Mary was acting shady, you could just say she was a witch and that was it. That that was it. That was the end of the conversation, mm-hmm. right? Some dude with some itchy fucking pants on said Mary was a witch and now she's getting strung up. That was all that had to be done. That's insane to me. That's absolutely insane to me. So that's the part where I would be mad, but I would be so proud in understanding what I know about witchcraft and spirituality now to be a descendant of that. So people who identify as witches... Whether you know if that's your heritage or not, I think it's really important to embrace what happened in Salem as part of your practice. And I think that that's really beautiful. And that's the part about Salem and the trials that I really wanted to talk about in the positive way. Also, just throwing out there random other facts about the fucking trials. There were two dogs that were killed at the trials. What the fuck? Yeah. They were considered familiars of some of the victims of the trials and they couldn't be trusted. So they they murdered the dogs. I know. Sad as fuck. My my favorite part about the trials, though, was this. The trials only ended when the governor's wife was accused of being a witch and he immediately ordered the trials to an end. Once again, I'm not shocked. There's no bias there at all. Absolutely none. Nope, none. So that's it. That's all I had for the Salem witch trials. We can be done there. I said my positive part of Salem. I said my negative fucking part of the witch trials. That's really the gritty shit that I wanted to talk through about witchcraft. Again, I just think it's important for the background. I think it's important to understand where we came 
came from, the misconceptions, some of the accurate history, so that we can move forward on on the same page. I think that that's important. I agree. Okay, so I want to talk about uh, just for one second, some quote unquote positive examples of witchcraft that you might be familiar with because I think that those are going to be, we talked about this a little bit, but it will come into some of the interviewing that we did, I did, we did collectively with some of our witch friends that I think is important. So some positive examples of witchcraft in a societal perspective would be like Charmed, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, Harry Potter, Wizard of Oz, Wicked, like those things are are not necessarily demonizing and yet still portraying a perspective of witchcraft that does not exist. So yeah, it's fantastical. It is fantastical and whimsical. And I'm not even going to deny it's really fun to think about, right? It's really fun to think about this big fantastical magic that is powerful and so easy, right? That it's just like a snap of the fingers and a wiggle of the nose and boom, right? Like that's cool yep, and, and fun to think about. But I just want to go back to for one second that that is not what we're here talking about. That is not real. I really just need to emphasize that because I think that was one of the things that I personally struggled with in this exploration of this practice myself. And part of my light bulb moment was understanding, well, if it's not hocus pocus and it's not a flick of the wrist and Wingardium Liviosa, what the fuck is it? Like, I did not understand that. Yeah. And truly what it is from the people we've worked with and the people that we've talked with and the research that I've done is more of an intentional mindset, an intentional spirituality, mindfulness, setting expectations for yourself, and then mentally willing yourself and those around you and the energy around you to do what you want it to do. And sometimes it doesn't work the way that you think it's going to work, but that doesn't mean that the magic's not there. And I use magic in this far more spiritual sense when I say this now, and I do not mean it again in the hocus pocus way. I mean it in the sense of mindfulness and intention and utilizing the energy and the materials around you to create the life that you want. That is witchcraft. Okay. And I think personally, that's really fucking beautiful. I agree. It is beautiful. Yeah. So I'm really excited to go forward and talk about some of those other really cool aspects. Are you ready thread? It sounded like you said ready thread and I was like, um, no. I said ready Fred, but your name's Allie. So are you ready, Allie? Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm ready. Let's, let's hit it. Hit it. Hit it. All right. So something that I thought was really important to call out that I want to start the actual witchcraft part of our conversation. I'm sure you guys are just dying for us to like really get into it. What I want to talk about up front, very forward is if you are at any point in this conversation thinking about witchcraft or something that witchcraft as something that you might be interested in practicing or you deeply align with this or maybe you're new to this and you're just kind of exploring the concept which after which after which has encouraged that you join a group on a social media platform that is reliable and supportive i have heard many witches call out specifically though ashley from seeking witchcraft which is another podcast which had so many references i specifically got a ton of the stuff that i'm about to talk about from her podcast she has this huge call out that i'm honestly 
honestly just going to share with you guys because again, this isn't, this isn't where I come from, but I think it's so important and such an important message to share. Magic is not intentional and it is always quote unquote free. So like your supplies, your divinations might cost money, but it should never cost you money to practice magic. It should never cost you money to belong to a group or a coven. That's not how this works, okay? So if you're approaching somebody, approaching a group, and you're like, hey, you guys look like cool people, and I align with the things that you're saying, can I join you? And they're like, yeah, but it's gonna cost you $14.99 a month. Those are not fucking witches, those are con artists, okay? Stay away from those people. Yeah, that makes sense. But I thought it was a really good call out. And as somebody who was curious and would have no idea where to start, I really appreciated that message being shared because I, it makes sense. But also at the same time, I mean, who knew that motorcycle clubs were like one of the most expensive memberships there are in our country? Like that's that theory could apply to this too. So I think it's an important message to share for anybody who is interested in this. It should be free, okay? Again, your divinations, your all of the tools that you use to practice might cost money. It could be very expensive. It could not be. There are really resourceful options for witchcraft because a lot of the materials that you use are natural. So it doesn't have to be this big expensive thing. It could be, but your membership as a witch I use membership very loosely here. That should not cost anything. I have thrown the word divination around a couple times. I want to go back to that. Divination tools are the resources that you would use as a witch to practice your witchcraft. Those things can include but are not limited to pendulums, Ouija boards, scries, tarot cards, oracle cards, um, crystals, herbs, oils. Like you guys, there are anything that you could use to practice your practice is a divination tool, okay? The altar that you set up, we're going to get into altars in a second, but the altar that you set up to practice spirituality and and your practice as a whole, that's a divination tool. The practice of reading dreams is a divination tool. The practice of meditation is a divination tool. Those are all things that are embodied in witchcraft that are just part of the practice. And I think that is so fucking cool. Yeah, that's awesome. So it's kind of like essentially whatever in inspires you to a degree. That is exactly it. And I love, 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 love that you said that because that is going to be pivotal in our part of the conversation where we talk about the different kinds of witches because yes, it's what inspires you. It is what makes you feel good and whole and connected to something bigger than yourself, something just bigger. And we're going to get into that. So I'm going to stop there, but that is such an important piece. Okay. So one of the biggest questions that I had, we've all heard of tarot cards, right? Like that's a very common witchcraft divination tool that is used and portrayed in all kinds of fucking interpretations of witchcraft. So I had this image in my head of tarot cards. Like I've seen them. I've had them in my house. I personally have never had a tarot card reading that I know of, but I really struggled with that because in our conversation with our girl, Sydney, again, shout out to Sydney. She was mentioning that she uses Oracle cards. And I was like, Sid, what the fuck is, what, is that like a tarot card? And she was like, no, no. And I was like, um, 
Okay. Very confused now because as I have been researching this, you guys know that our Facebooks pop up with all the fucking crazy ads from all the fucking shit that we've researched. My Facebook lately has been flooded with different oracle cards and different tarot cards for sale. And honestly, at a first glance, they look the same. Like I don't, I did not understand the difference at all. Yeah. That's one of the things that I'm really excited to talk about in the differences because again, I think it's so fucking cool. So let's start with tarot cards, again, being the more common. So tarot cards, if you can read the basic deck, which is typically an RWS deck, if you can read the traditional Rider Waite Smith tarot deck card, you can read any tarot deck card there is, okay? So if you can read the basic tarot decks, you can read anyone. They, they make them crazy, beautiful, fun, silly. Like they make a bajillion versions that speak to a bajillion different personality types. Bajillion is now an increment of measurement. It is. It's legit. It is. You can read them no matter what, okay? They're all going to say the same thing. They just look different, which, okay, cool. If you're interested in reading tarot cards, you should start with an RWS deck. Again, it, that stands for Rider Waite Smith deck. There is a slight difference. I'm looking at Google right now because I wanted to know what the RWS stood for. And I remember Ashley talking about this in her episode of Seeking Witchcraft, uh, where I got a lot of this information. Shout out to Ashley and Seeking Witchcraft. Actually, I lied. That's where I got all of this information other than the confirmation of the name from Google. I'm just so excited. I'm so excited I forgot to to cite my source and I'm really sorry. So what she was saying, which I think is really, really interesting, the Rider Waite decks are actually very old. And if you look at the acronym of RWS versus the title of Rider Waite, which is what they say on Google, Rider Waite is actually a man repurposed the deck after Smith had drawn them. And Smith was a woman, but he didn't want her to have credit because this was a very long time ago, you know, when women couldn't do things. I thought that that was interesting and like a fun, not so fun, little fun fact. Yeah, not so fun, little fun. Not so fun, little fun. So why you would use tarot cards is this tool can help direct energies into situations for clarity or direction, uh, meaning you can lay out time basically. If you were to be reading your tarot deck and you're asking, you're asking a question of the energy around you in relation to a specific instance, right? Let's just throw out there, should I leave my job? Okay, I'm not leaving my job. I love my job, but I'm just saying, should I leave my job is the question. And if I were experienced in this tarot card reading, the cards could help me come to that understanding of what my past, present, and future would look like. Okay, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, so maybe, hypothetically, I used to love my job and then I left and something changed and now I don't love my job and then future state, I could be very successful and very happy somewhere else. Those cards could help me understand that, but only with the energy that I put into them and the energy that they give back to me. It's an energy exchange, which sounds, that sounds fantastical and whimsical. Mm -hmm. How could an inanimate object give energy back? But just like 
rocks and plants and grass, those things give energy. The sun gives energy. It's literally the same concept. It's what you put in that you get out, which I thought was really cool. And I just really wanted to call that out. Yeah, that's neat. On the other side of it is oracle cards, which are described as completely different that hold different energies and different intentions, not just in look, but also in context. So What Ashley was saying about oracle cards is that truly every single deck for oracle cards is 100% different. It's not just like, oh, I like this deck because it's holographic and it has cool little bumblebees on it. Like the bumblebee deck is completely different from the pizza slice deck, which those are silly examples, obviously, but it's true in the sense of those cards were made with different intentions so they will have different energies aligned with them. That's pretty cool. I thought so too. And they're used in a completely different practice. So tarot cards, again, once you understand how to use tarot cards, you can use any deck. You can use a few different formations and practices with those cards. Oracle cards, however, have so many different applications for so many different decks. There are like infinite combinations of oracle decks and practices. You could spend your whole life practicing oracle and you would never actually master it because they are so vastly different. You might master your deck, but you would never master every deck. You could, in theory, master every deck of tarot cards. Yeah. I think that is so cool. And this is me. I can tell. I know, because this is me (laughs) admitting to all of you, I bought my own tarot card deck today. So wait, do you wish you would have bought an Oracle card deck? I don't. I don't because shout out to Ashley in Seeking Witchcraft. When she was talking about this, she has literally her episodes are really short, but they're super, super digestible. And she breaks things down topic by topic. And it's kind of like you're sitting in Witchcraft 101 in, in like a college class. What she was saying was that if you're curious and you're interested in getting into this and really understanding your abilities and how they can relate to witchcraft before ever really even identifying as a witch. I don't identify as a witch. I just think this is fascinating. And because I'm exploring my spiritual journey, this really speaks to me because the whole premise is spiritual. I just want to start somewhere out of pure curiosity. It was her recommendation that tarot cards were better for that. Excellent. I thought so too. And the reason being oracle cards are again so vastly different. Now, in our conversation with Sydney, Sydney said that she preferred oracle cards because that aligned more with what she needs them to do, which is absolutely fine. Again, it's all about how you practice and what you align with. There is no right or wrong answer, which I think is my favorite part of exploring this witchcraft concept. There is no right or wrong fucking answer. Yeah, that's pretty unique, especially for any sort of practice, at least practices that I've encountered. I completely agree. So I thought that was so fascinating. Other divination tools, uh, like I said before, include scrying. Scrying can be used um, with smoke, like like reading smoke or reading tea leaves. It can also be used as kind of like that crystal ball moment, but not really like the crystal ball moment, right? But scrying can be 
used to foresee kind of like a clairvoyance. That's that's basically the core of scrying, but you can direct that energy to help you see things more specifically. So in other words, in Harry Potter, when Professor, oh God, oh, what is her name? I know her name. Well, I can't say it. Trelawney, Trelawney. I can see it spelled in my can, head. And I can see her face. The the divination teacher. Trelawney. Yeah, when she um, sees the grim in the cup of leaves. So that's not too far off then. It's not. the. So I actually, I thought of that correlation also as I was thinking about how witchcraft is not Harry Potter right? I thought about that divination class and how that was definitely something that they got right. Like they talk about that. And I kind of think that that was a little hats off moment to real witchcraft in a sense of like, yes, we're hyping this up in this Hollywood perspective, but at the same time, we respect and value and are going to do this moment of appreciating real spirituality and witchcraft. Nice. That's good to hear. Yeah, I thought that that was cool. That might just be my interpretation. I could be totally fucking off by that, but I did have that thought process also. Something else that Ashley talked about for scrying was mirrors, but specifically a black mirror. I don't know what she means when she says a black mirror, if it's truly like black as in color. Uh, I did not have the opportunity to look into that more. I'm really curious about it, but that's also a form of scrying that, that can be used in practice, which I thought was really cool. And I would love to talk more about that with somebody in either an interview or in another episode about witchcraft where we can get a little bit more into detail. But I thought that that was really, really cool. Some other things that she talked about as ways to practice where you don't have to have supplies, you don't have to have divination tools, but you can still practice divination would be dream reading or dream interpretation, which I thought was so, so interesting because I have personally done that for other people, specifically our friend Amanda. Mm -hmm. We have had some really in-depth, really beautiful conversations about her dreams. And this was like a long time ago. I don't even know how I came up with these conclusions about like what her dreams could mean. But in looking back at those conversations and they stick with me so specifically. And Amanda, if you're listening to this episode, you know exactly what I'm fucking talking about. I just think it's so interesting that that is a form of divination and I never would have associated that without having heard this additional perspective. And I think that's so cool because truly, let's take it away from witchcraft for one second and let's talk about it from a science perspective, from a psychological perspective, because I know this is all very spiritual and I hear how cool you think it is and how excited you think it is, but I also know this is not your realm. So for one second, let's bring it to a soft science because that's probably as close as I can get here. Okay. Our unconscious mind psychologically tells us so many things all the time. Whether we remember those things in our conscious state or not, it is true. Our subconscious and unconscious self is speaking for us at all times. Real. Okay proven, scientific, okay? That was all I had to say about science because now I'm going to go back to spirituality. What I think is so interesting is the actual interpretation of what those subconscious and or unconscious thoughts mean. Mm -hmm. Because I go back to, there is no right or wrong answer. 
it is scientifically proven that this happens to humans. Yeah. And I think I personally believe that like animals dream, right? We've seen we've seen Hank chase something while he's sleeping. Like that's I think he's dreaming. I would like to believe that. Mm-hmm. So bodies with a brain do this. They give off this subconscious, unconscious process. What does that mean, though? And there's so much of the human brain that we have no idea. We have no idea what lurks in the depths of a human brain. Like, we have none. There's, and there's no way to get after it because you can only do so much research on a person before you, like, literally just you can't reach that part of their brain anymore. Yes. I think this divination concept of dream reading is just so fascinating. Like, honestly, this was one of the more interesting pieces that spoke to me as she was talking about divination. The The little tangent that I just went on, that was a Celeste tangent completely. That is not Ashley certified and stamped. I'm just saying as, as somebody who loves soft science and somebody who has actually spent a lot of time researching dreams on a psychological level, I think that this broadens that horizon and offers such a beautiful and different perspective yeah, that definitely I was think it's so not ready for. I personally don't put a lot of stock into dream interpretation myself. I mean, I had I have fucking dreams about haunted dressers, so <laughs> take that what you will. I do think there are some instances where dreams can can be uh, impact of um, current state of affairs. For instance, when I had a dream about losing Moose to a random group of people that took him and there were daycare issues at that point in time. So it was it was definitely an anxiety thing, but that's definitely one area that I'm personally skeptical on, but I'm glad that it's something that you can relate to in this field. So I really appreciate that you shared that. I really am because without arguing but simply offering a different perspective. What if the reason you had that dream, which yes, without question, was anxiety induced, okay? That that is a real scientific aspect of the reason you had that dream, okay? Again, not arguing that, even in the slightest. But what if the other half of the reason you had that dream was your subconscious self or in the practice of witchcraft and dream reading was your spiritual self or your guide or whatever you want to call it, okay? Whatever you, not Allie, but the royal you would like to call it because you're not spiritual, so I know you're not calling it shit, would say, Allie, something is wrong here. Like, look deeper into this, this concept of somebody taking moose away from you because it's closer than you think it's like a silent it was like a silent alarm for you well yes that is that is exactly what dreams are but to me there's no there's no spiritual aspect is the only thing i hear you i hear you but at the same time you also totally just agreed to my point so i'm gonna take that as a win (laughs) you can have your win a couple other things, just really quick. I've spent a lot of time on divination. I just thought this was so cool, um, but I'm really excited to get into the different types of witches. Meditation, which I thought was, I mean, I understand that meditation is a very spiritual practice. I've never thought about it in the aspect that Ashley from the Seeking Witchcraft podcast spoke about it, but I thought that that was really, the way that she presents it is just absolutely fascinating, and I deeply related to it. So I I don't know if you've ever tried meditation. 
Yes. You have. Did you find it was successful for you? Yes. I um, I didn't practice meditation in the form that a lot of people think of meditation, though. So in like how a lot of people will sit in complete silence and uh, do ohms, I my form of meditation. Can you share with me how you did practice? Generally, I'll just listen to whatever music um, that puts me in a peaceful state of mind. And I will yeah. literally let my mind... I will literally just let my mind go blank and not think about anything or listen to the music and let it uh, create colors and such in my mind as opposed to thinking about anything. And now it sounds like I just go on as You're so beautiful. I love you so much. I mean, you just got a little spiritual there, so I'm really excited about it. But really, seriously, you're so beautiful. I love you so much. I'm so grateful for you. You're my best friend and I just needed you to hear me say that. I love you too and I I find it weird to hear that you call it spirituality and I don't call it that or see it that way at all. To me, it is literally just... Relaxing. Yeah, it's letting everything be quiet. I hear you. I think the reason that I recognize that as spirituality is because I just have... Okay, really, seriously, Allie, today my mind was blown up by a spiritual stick of fucking dynamite. So I have no more skull containing my small brain that viewed spirituality on a very narrow spectrum. Like, I I swear to God, I thought that I had a grip on how broad spirituality could be Mm -hmm. previous to this research. And I had no, I really, I am admitting I was ignorant as fuck to how broad this can be. So that's where I'm coming from. And it's totally cool if you're not in that place of spiritual dynamite stick to the brain, but that's where I'm coming from. Gotcha. So that was actually something that Ashley did talk about. I have only previously ever practiced meditation in the concept of sitting down, being quiet. Uh, And for those of you who haven't gathered this about me yet, I'm not very good at being quiet. I am more so bad at making my brain be quiet. So even if my mouth isn't moving, my brain is. (laughs) I have literally never seen you just, just sit, ever. Unless we're watching a movie. I've never just seen you just sit. I have no idea how. I have no idea. I, I don't know how to just sit. I, I'm not, I am not good at it. I'm not, I'm fucking terrible at it. Okay. So meditation has always been really annoying to me and I want to be good at it. Oh my fucking God. I want to be good at it so bad. I, oh, this is like a personal goal of mine. Okay. But in listening to the way that Ashley was describing what meditation means to her without saying that she's not very good at it, she kind of also took that position of, I don't sit there in silence with ums and I'm not good at it that way. The way that she practices meditation in relation to her practice is going back to that mindfulness approach of what what she described was laying down in bed, turning on her meditation music, whether that be a grounding or a cleansing or aligning specifically with one of her chakras or whatever her body is telling her it needs, and then literally focusing on one thought. And in the example that she gave, it was going to sleep. So she literally meditated herself to sleep. As an insomniac, let me tell you, that does in fact sound magical. That does sound like Harry Potter shit to me. Like I want that power so fucking bad. Mm -hmm. I'm going to try it. I'm... (laughs) 
I'm going to try it. I'm not going to lie. I think that there are probably a bajillion, because now that's my measure of unit for this episode. I think there's probably a bajillion more options for divination that we could talk about. We touched nothing about herbs or oils or crystals, like all of that shit is divination, okay? And again, we could, but I'm I'm just going to stop myself or this is going to be a 17-hour episode and maybe you guys aren't here for it. If you are, let me know and we can do that. We can have one of those episodes where we get into just the tools and the practices and maybe that's part of a special guest episode. But this is me pumping the brakes to myself to move on to a different topic because I think that the other huge piece here that I'm really excited to talk about is the different types of witches. So are you ready to hear about some witches, Allie? Yes, I am. All right. So according to the Green Witch on YouTube, who, again, this is who I was referencing earlier. She's adorable and quirky and a little introverted, but I absolutely loved her energy and she was so cute and she was so informative. So I personally will definitely be checking out her videos on YouTube for my my own personal information and research, but I recommend her videos. Like, honestly, she was so to the point and informational. Loved her. So she broke it out as the four main types of witches. I couldn't really understand if there were other types of witches. And again, I think that there are probably infinite options as you look at people who practice witchcraft, but also align with a different religion, Mm -hmm. that probably impacts the way that you practice your witchcraft, which then would change the type of witch that you are. So throwing that out there. According to her, the four main types start here. We're going to start with a kitchen witch, which that just that title makes me happy. I know for a fact that if I were to choose witchcraft, I would not be a kitchen witch, even though I'm a really good cook. Cooking does not make me feel whole. That is not where I find my inner peace. I enjoy cooking and I'm really, really good at it. However, I find it very stressful. So I'm not a kitchen witch. I'm not a witch at all. You guys, let's be real. But I identified if I were going to be, I would not be a kitchen witch. I know some women and a couple men who if they chose to be spiritual in this sense, they would definitely be kitchen witches. Like I know, Sunny, I'm looking at you, girl. All right. So kitchen witches create and pursue most of their magic inside of their homes. They work on practical magic in the sense of curing ailments and situations, perhaps through food, perhaps through spells, perhaps through alchemy. There are a bunch of different ways that kitchen witches would practice, but it is primarily in the sense of being in the kitchen. And kitchen can mean a bunch of different things, right? Like it doesn't necessarily mean here's my island and here's my fridge and now I'm a kitchen witch, but it is in the sense of creating something via the way of quote unquote cooking in whatever that means to you. So it could be baking. It could be actual cooking. Again, it it's so broad. I, I don't even want to say vague because vague doesn't feel right. It is 
broad. Yeah. They often work with environmental energies from the ingredients, herbs, plants, and whatever else that they have to support their practice that typically comes from their own gardens or that they have made or grown themselves, which is really important because that infuses their own energy and their own magic into the substances that they're using to create their ailment or their intentions. That's cool. That makes sense. And I agreed with that. I agree. And I think really interesting because if you have taken the time to tomatoes, I don't know, tomatoes were the first thing that came to mind. If you've taken the time to grow tomatoes and now you're bringing them into your kitchen and you're making a soup for somebody who you care about who is really ill and you are making this soup with the intention of them getting better and you are thinking about healing this person and you put all of that love and care and tenderness into those tomatoes from the time that they were seeds, all of that energy then also goes into the soup that you're making. That's the whole concept of a kitchen witch. Okay. Again, it's way broader than that, but that's how I interpreted it. And I just, I really think that's so fucking cool. Again, not the kind of witch that I would be, but I appreciate how cool that is conceptually. Agree. Something else I realized that I didn't say before that I do want to hit, you can be more than one kind of witch. So you could be a kitchen witch and another type. And we'll talk about the other types. I'm not I'm not done, but I thought that that was really cool that if you have multiple abilities and you find comfort in multiple practices, you can utilize any of them. Again, like broad, just infinite possibilities of building this spirituality for yourself. That's pretty awesome. Thank you. I agree. The next type of witch is a hedge witch. Um, Hedge as in like, think about like a hedge plant. Okay. It's not a plant, but I just, that's the word I'm saying. And I just want to make, so hedge witches, although I'm not speaking about plants themselves, are typically nature-based. And this is where previously you had talked about our shaman's witches. I guess because we're talking about the fact that it's such a broad concept and there are infinite possibilities, before I said no, and I stand by that, I don't know if the typical shaman would identify their practice as witchcraft. I do believe that they would identify it as spirituality. So if you're looking at it on just a spirituality level, I would agree that they are synonymous. But if you're looking at it on a practice level, I don't know if shamans would appreciate the term of witchcraft. Okay, I get what you're saying. So that's why I said no before. Either way, I think they're both beautiful and fascinating and I would absolutely die to have a shaman on our show. I think that that would be so cool. Maybe something we do future state, stay tuned. But hedge witches practice shamanism, astral projection, and also herbalism, which align again kind of to the practice of, of being a shaman. But the biggest thing about hedge witches is that the hedge that is in the title actually refers to the boundary between people and spirits. So mediums, if a medium were to identify as a witch, that would be a hedge witch, which I thought was really cool. And also just another understanding of, again, how broad it is. Just like I said about shamans, I don't know if all mediums would identify themselves as witches or as practicing witchcraft, but on a conceptual level, they're practicing in similar fashions. Yeah. The next kind of witch is a cosmic witch. And I'm going to be very honest, this is the type 
type of witch that I believe I would be if I were a witch. If I were to pick up witchcraft, this is, I think this is where I would belong. Cosmic witches, much like the title suggests, align with stars, astrology, divination. They typically align with planets and astrology, but it's not just planets. They can align with the moon, the sun, the stars, different comets, different meteors, like anything intergalactic okay, is like free reign for them. That If that's where they get their power is from outside of earth, that's a cosmic witch. I personally feel very drawn to that. Um, not only because my name is Celeste, which is derived from celestial, meaning heavenly body. I just have always been very, very drawn to stars and astronomy and astrology and all of that. Like, so I, when she was talking about cosmic witches, my little heart was like, Oh my God, I understand what she's saying. What I thought was really interesting about cosmic witches as she talked about them was that if you align specifically with a planet, that you can work with materials from that planet or that would align with that planet here on Earth, obviously, right? Like, so for example, if if you deeply align with Mars as your planet and that's where you feel as though you get your energy as a cosmic witch, you're not gonna go to Mars. You can't, you can't do that. Sorry, like that's not a thing. But what you could do is get clay, red clay from our planet and that help you connect then to okay. that energy from Mars. So even though it's red clay from our planet, Mars is made up of red clay. Duh, there's the connection. So you're really just pulling from those materials regardless of where they come from. They already have that spiritual and energetic connection because they are the same material. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. I just honestly got so excited about this concept, this, this witch specifically. And then the last type of witch is a green witch. And many of the witches that we spoke with identified as green witches, which I think is really cool and really interesting. So green witches, sort of as the title also insinuates, is earth, nature, elements, and it is deeply rooted in ancient cultures and more religions than not actually religions. Like when I think about the cosmic witch, I think about a very scientific approach. Like there aren't a ton of religions that talk about the other planets, right? Yeah. Whereas green witches can derive from other religions and other concepts because religions talk about nature in their practices all the time. So green witches are typically those witches that identify as maybe practicing witchcraft, but also another religion. And again, one more time, that's not to say that you couldn't be a jumble of anything and everything, but green witches specifically pull from those energies more naturally. Okay. Specifically, green witches understand the magic in and of nature. Gardens are huge for these witches. They are skilled herbalists. Natural spaces are sacred to them and they work really hard to protect them. So I really think about people who absolutely 1 billion percent thrive in nature, like people with really green thumbs, like those kinds of people I think about. Again, if, you, if they were to accept witchcraft as a practice, those would be good fits for a green witch. Yeah. So those are the types of witches, uh, which again, I just got so excited about and I think is so fascinating and really important. I have one more thing 
that I want to squeeze into this episode. And honestly, you get credit for this. I'm giving you credit for this because again, I got Twitter today. So, you know, I'm, I swore I would not get Twitter and here I am being a hypocrite and now I have Twitter. But you did this. I am so grateful that you did this. You sent out a little witch questionnaire that was adorable and meaningful and really important. And of the responses that we got, Claire sent us one that you resonated with and you were like, this is really cool and I love her answers. And I read them and I was like, holy shit. This was actually just on Facebook. Not that it matters, but if Claire's listening, just so she's not confused. Claire, If you're listening, you came from Facebook, not Twitter. I'm sorry. I totally thought this was a Twitter thing. But there's me admitting I'm a hypocrite and now I have Twitter. (laughs) I still don't know what I'm doing. I have no idea what I'm doing. Please, somebody help me. We're in the same boat. Why would I help you? I literally share memes. and (laughs) You're not wrong. Claire from Facebook, our girl. You had some amazing responses to the witch questionnaire that Allie had posted. So thank you so, so, so much. I really seriously, your answers were amazing and so helpful. So I just want to share those with our listeners. Obviously, Allie already knows this information. We asked what witchcraft meant to you. And the response was, to me, it's going back to basics. Connecting with the earth, the cosmos, the moon. Understanding that we are no different than every other living thing. Magic isn't always abracadabra, spells, and curses. It's the magic of an acorn becoming a tree. The magic of birth and hatching. It's becoming more in tune and connected with the world, which is so, so hard to do in today's tech-focused world. I actually cried the first time I read that. Yeah, that was absolutely beautiful. Oh my god, right? Like, seriously, you guys, think about an acorn. Like what? Really? Seriously? Like, yes, there is a scientific process there, but isn't that scientific process, the fact that it happens, isn't that magical? I think it is. I also think it is. (laughs) I'm just so excited. I really, I, the fact that science exists is magical like the like the fact that these things just happen they just by the course of nature they happen which is in itself magical that's the whole point here this was my aha moment okay you guys kind of just heard me have like another little brain gasm as like this aha moment was solidified for me because honestly this is it this was it this was my thing where i was like oh holy shit the interpretation of magic is everything around us everything that has been created is magical according to this spirituality and I just think that's so fucking beautiful like I might cry again right now (laughs) Allie asked how did you get into it Claire's response was I started making potions quote-unquote potions in the knots of trees as early as eight but I started becoming more interested in 2014 when a friend suggested that I had old blood meaning Irish pagan ish. I realize it sounds unbelievable, but I occasionally have dreams that come true. Easiest case in point, I dreamt that my dad got defibrillated. The next day, my mom called me to tell me there was something wrong with his heart and needed it to be reset by, you guessed it, a defibrillator. From there, I started getting into tarot, discovering green witchcraft through friends who practiced everything from green and kitchen witchcraft to Nordic paganism. Shout out to Nordic paganism. Again, that's our favorite. I just think that was, I, I just love that answer. Like, and the fact that we were talking about dream reading and Claire had an actual experience where it was literally the next day. Like, I, I don't know. I just, you guys, 
I think it's so fucking fascinating. I love that it started so young for her. I do too. I think that's really beautiful. And part of me then identifies the magic of children. Like, unless you are a soulless fucking monster, everyone can agree there is something magical about children. Not even in a witchcraft sense, just in the sense of they are pure, they are unscathed and untainted by the world we live in. They they believe in all kinds of beautiful shit, even when they are surrounded by shit. That's pretty magical. Agreed. The fact that at eight years old, she could tap into that understanding that and that energy she carried just because she was a kid, I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next question was, what do you think of the depiction of magic and witchcraft in modern media? Which I think is a really important question and something we also asked Sydney. And the answer was pretty much the same. Claire's response was, moderately ridiculous. Though I do like Instagram witches that are showing that witchcraft isn't Charmed or Sabrina or Harry Potter. I think Hollywood has it dead wrong, but podcasts, Facebook groups, and Instagrammers have provided excellent learning spaces for those of us who are feeling drawn to the old ways. And again, I go back to Ashley from Seeking Witchcraft said that the cute witch from the Green Witch on YouTube said that. Sydney said that to us. Like, I think that is such an important piece that just everybody hear us say in general. Agreed. The next question was, what has been the societal response to you being a witch? And Claire said, it's a mixed bag. There are some eye rolls, but people mostly are simply interested because they've never met someone who identifies as a witch. A lot of people assume I'm Wicca, some assume Satanism, but they don't realize that witchcraft can be a deeply personal practice with no real guidelines. I have books that point me in the direction to grow my practice, reminding me how to slow down and how to reconnect, but it's not a set book of rules, and that's really baffling to a lot of people who are so stuck in a rigidly structured traditional religion. And that piece, completely that piece by itself, is, I think, my favorite part of witchcraft as a concept. Agreed. I, I, I go back to how we talked about there is no right or wrong way to do it. And there's nobody who's telling you there is a right or wrong way to do it. Like, that is so fucking freeing and so fucking beautiful. And I, I could just cry right now. I could. The next question was, how do you personally practice Claire's response was, my practice is a mix of gardening, tarot, and intention setting. I am a green witch, so my garden is my way of celebrating and contributing to the earth. That is the most tangible part of my practice. If I need to de-stress, I go to my garden, I put my hands in the earth, and I just breathe until I can feel the energy in my palms, reminding myself that I am of the earth and will return, just like my plants, that I need sun, water, food, and patience as a good reminder for everyone. I have two tarot decks, one for personal readings, and one for reading others. Reading tarot requires trusting your gut, even if it doesn't make sense. I have had a lot of readings where it doesn't quite make sense to me, but when I tell someone the results, they respond really enthusiastically because it really hits home for them. Tarot isn't always quote-unquote reading the future. It's often a way to focus your mind and get your headspace right. It can be spot-on about the future, but more often I do a lot of readings that help people realize what's holding them back or what issues they need to address in the present. As for intentions, this is about as close as I get to casting spells. 
If I am cooking for my husband and we've had a rough day, I'll focus on love, forgiveness, kindness, support, etc. while cooking. Keeping it at the forefront of my mind and really trying to push that into fruition. If he's sick or hurting, I'll focus on healing. If I'm cooking for friends, I'll focus on joy, laughter, and friendship. Maybe the thinking about it makes me try to embody those energies and cooking with intention brings those feelings to those who eat it. It is impossible to know which is responsible but it works every single time. So that's part of that mindfulness and intentional thought process, which honestly, if you're doing something good for other people, why wouldn't you do it intentionally? Why wouldn't you do it with intention? I agree. And according to our witch friends, that is magic. I enjoy that definition of it. I love that. Can we make that the definition of it? Works for me. Oh, yay. We made the definition. Oh, okay. We accomplished that. And I didn't even have to be like, so what's our definition now? And I am so stupid happy. I am so stupid happy right now. I'm like high on life and maybe cough drops. And I just, I, I love witchcraft, you guys. Again, I'm not a witch. I'm not saying that. I haven't decided if that's something I'm interested in exploring or not. I'm just saying I absolutely love this concept. I think this is so beautiful. And I think the reason I think it's so beautiful is because it is absolutely not what I thought it was. Kind of like Satanism. I think we're discovering a lot of that in this podcast. Which is why I love our podcast. We hope you guys do too. I got really excited about this episode. And I think also because we're far apart, I did a lot of the talking. So this is me asking you, what did you learn here today? I think my favorite part of all of it was learning about the different types of witches. I thought that was really interesting too. Can we play a game for one second? I would be the same as you. (laughs) Okay, you guys, this is truly the definition of our telepathy because that was my question. What witch would you choose? And we are nowhere near each other. And this woman who I love knew exactly what my question would be. Yeah, I was thinking about it. I was like, it was either green or is it, was it cosmology? What? I remember. There's kitchen, hedge, cosmic, or green. Cosmic. I couldn't remember. (laughs) Cosmology. Cosmology. It was either cosmic or green, but I literally kill like everything I touch plant-wise. But I love the forest, so. (laughs) But you do I know that's true about you. You could be both, though. You could draw from both and maybe maybe green if you were to do this and believe this and practice this, which I know you don't, and that's okay. But we're just playing this game. Maybe green would be your secondary witch practice or your secondary practice where, I mean, because you say that you kill plants, which I've never seen you successfully raise a plant. So I don't know. I am looking at one right now. Yeah, it's literally just one. That one in the sunroom? That thing is not like thriving either. (laughs) Yes, it is. It's got three flowers on it and we didn't even know it could have flowers. We didn't even know it could have flowers. Okay, so maybe you are a green witch. Maybe that is what you would align with. I have no idea. But But I, I love that you played the game with me. One of my favorite forms of photography is astral photography. And once I have money to afford gear for it it's something that I want to get into you know what and as you said that I got an image of the amazingly abstract beautiful cool picture you have in the living room above the rocking chair Mm -hmm. 
that picture screams cosmic to me. And that picture brings me so much peace. And I never really understood why, because it's such a weird fucking picture, but it does. It brings me so much peace. And when you said that you love astral photography, my brain went exactly to that picture. And I was like, we should go there. That was my thought. I'm literally, I'm not even going to lie. That was my crazy ass thought as I was thinking about that picture. I was like, we should go there. We should travel to that exact place in the universe together. Deal. I love that. I love you. I think you guys heard what I learned here throughout this entire episode because I couldn't even contain my excitement. So I really think the thing that I want to say that I learned here today, other than all of the things that I fucking shared with you, because I genuinely retained all of this. I'm very excited about this. I think this is so fucking cool. I think the thing that I really learned here though is how freeing this practice can be for people. And I think that I'm going to use the word magical in a non-cliche way, but I do think that's really magical. I think that's beautiful to know that you're boundless, but you still believe in something so powerful and also so encompassing, like everywhere, like to know that you could turn around, right? And there's a fucking tree there, or you could turn the other direction and there's a fucking plant. If you align with this concept spiritually, you're surrounded by magic that you can see. Whereas in other religions and other practices, which I'm not downing, this is just truly what I took away from it. Some of those practices and comforts and and where people draw their energy from, you can't see. It is not tangible in any sense of the word. And not only is it not tangible and you can't see it, but it's also very limiting. It's very restrictive. There are a set of rules that everyone has to play by. And that's not fair because we are all so different. We are all different and we all have different things that are important to us. I think that's what I appreciate so much about this as a practice in general. And that's what I learned about this. So guys, we hope that you learned some stuff today too. Um, we'd be interested to know which, 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 <laughs> which, which, <laughs> oh God, I'm rolling my eyes at myself. Also, uh, I have a personal request as I run our Twitter handle. If you have a Twitter and you'd be so kind, if you could tweet at me at taboos, what the hell's our Twitter? Taboos the pod. Thank you at Tabuzapod and let me know where you're listening to our podcast from. Also, what platform you're listening on. That'd be pretty cool. So to clarify, you want to know where our listeners are physically. I mean, we don't want your address, but where you're physically listening from and then also on which platform you're listening on. Yeah, shout out where you're from. What are you up to? What platform are you listening on? Any of them, all of them, whatever you feel like answering. I'm just curious. And then the other thing is, we did start our Patreon. If you're interested in supporting, the link will be in our show notes for easy accessibility. We do have some fun things in the tiers. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Just helps us keep this thing going. It really does. We absolutely appreciate your support. We appreciate all of your encouragement, all of your love. Like we, I know we say it every episode and you guys might be bored of it, but you guys... We are so grateful for you. 
We have the best fan base, seriously. Like, I'm sure every podcast group says that, but, like, I firmly believe it. Like, we have the best listeners. So thank you to every single one of you for all that you do. If you would like to continue to support our podcast in whatever way that means, we welcome you to do so. We are eternally grateful. You are also welcome to find us on our socials. Like Allie said before, our Twitter handle is Taboos the Pod. So is our Instagram handle. We are just Taboos on Facebook. And if you ever want to shoot us an email, we love getting emails. Uh, Our email is taboospodcast at gmail.com. I have officially decided I'm not spelling it, at least in this episode. Feel free to reach out to us. We absolutely love hearing your stories, your feedback, anything, you guys. We, We absolutely love it. Keep it coming. And if there's anyone you think that could relate to any of our topics or could just... Just enjoy us. Enjoy the conversations with us. Enjoy my amazing jokes. Yeah. The uh, the biggest compliment you can give us is to share us with the people that you think would enjoy us and just help us reach others and spread the message and all that good stuff. And now we sound like a cult, so clearly we need a secret handshake and all that good stuff. We do a little bit. I love the secret handshake idea. Let's work on that. But also, I want to build on that idea for a second. Not the cult idea, but how we want to reach other people because you guys, as... Spooky season comes to an end, which makes me sad, but uh, we're going to roll into November, right? November comes after October. Here we go. I think this is a good opportunity to introduce just the title of November. Next month, we will be doing another series. Not all of our months will be series. We're going to go back to pre-October where we do random episodes again, but November is so important to me for the concept that we're going to be rolling out. So here is your sneak peek preview. We are doing No Fucks Given November. That is the series we will be doing next month. So starting next week, No Fucks Given November, coming at you serious conversations from the Celeste and Alley twist, taboo topics that need to be addressed that are so important. There's going to be a lot of fucking haters. There's, oh my God, there's going to be so many fuck the haters. There's going to be so many, like all the fuck the hater moments are coming at us hot and heavy the whole month of November. No fucks given November. Here we go. Next week, buckle up, bring some snacks, a safety blanket if you need it, a friend or two. Like seriously, you guys, I'm, I have looked forward to every single episode of this podcast, but I have not been more passionate about any episode we've done than I am about any of the episodes we're going to cover in November. So we really, 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 you guys, we want to reach people. We want to talk to people. We want to help people. We want people to know that they're not alone. So if that makes us sound like a cult, yes, we will form a secret handshake and ta-da, now we're a cult. But if you hear it as us just being good fucking people, because we are, and we're just having normal conversations that everyone should be having, I don't think that sounds culty, but I mean, tomato, tomato. And on that note, do you be taboos?
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.